Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. There's an old expression. If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. You ever heard that before? Or some version of that? I'm sure you have. Right? Basically, that's the spiritual gift of tremendous insight into the obvious. And the scripture we're going to look at this evening, very quickly, we're going to look at Jesus talking about building his church and the gates of hell. And there have been some very interesting things going on around these here pots. And uh, I believe we're going to expose it, and I'm going to lay a challenge before you especially as the haunted house is coming up. Matthew chapter 16, just verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, and he's speaking to Peter, and he says, Also I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Heaven. Now, let me lay the background. We didn't read all the scripture, but let me lay the background. Jesus has taken his disciples, and this begins in verse 13, to uh, Caesarea Philippi. This is a fascinating place. Pastor Mitchell would always make a point of taking all the people who go to Israel to this place. It is a place about 30 miles from Jerusalem. And he takes his disciples there. On the way, he does no miracles. He does. He meets with no one. There's no special meeting except to explain to his disciples uh, the thought and the understanding of the church. In Scripture, there is a rule that's called the rule of first mention. Anytime you read uh, something that is mentioned for the very first time, uh, you can always go back and refer to it uh, as a foundation of what that subject is. This is the first time that the word church is used and translated. He takes them to Philippi and he says as he comes to this in verse 13, who do men say that I am? And you, many of you know the story. Uh, they say, you know, you're a prophet. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one, one of these prophets risen from the dead. But he said, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And he says, upon that rock, that revelation, that understanding, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But let's think about what Caesarea Philippi was. At this time. Now, this was uh, where uh, it was a fascinating site. There was a cave, and out of that cave came a spring, a rushing of water. This rushing of water begins the Jordan River. It is now since disintegrated. It actually comes up now underground. It's uh, uh, worked its way through erosion. But it was Alexander the Great when he conquered that land that uh, he was taken back by the uh, Hellenists in Egypt and in Syria, and he made this kind of a major area or a metropolitan, and they were fascinated by the springs, uh, and they dedicated this place, Alexander, to the god Pan. 
The God Pan was the God of the underworld or the desolate place. And because the spring came forth in the limestone and would flow down into the valley, start the marshes that begin to go on to the Jordan River, that it was fascinating to them. And it's still quite a place to see. And, you know, waterfalls and such will take people back by, uh, uh, you know, we've got Niagara, which is a waterfall beyond all waterfalls. But when you see other waterfalls, uh, they're fascinating. There's something about this. So there's this temple to the god Pan, the god of the desolate. Also in this place would have been a group of centurion soldiers. They would have been there to guard the temple to Caesar. And they would have been there and soldiers uh, uh, have a garrison of soldiers there. And, you know, it would have been all male at this time. And so boys, uh, uh, you know, the, the expression boys would be boys. They would not be behaving themselves well. Involved in some of this pagan worship would have been either some kind of a temple prostitution and or drug use. Sounds like the streets of any major city today, doesn't it? That uh, this is what's going on there. This could have been Las Vegas, the sin city. It was, uh, uh, you know, we were coming back from Toronto and we stopped on the Canadian side uh, while we were there for, of the falls. Uh, and it was amazing to see it. It was, it was, you know, it's a warm, beautiful October evening. Uh, there's lines at the uh, uh, um, cannabis shop. There's all sorts. You can smell it. It smells like dead skunks and all that. And, you know, it's, uh, it's all there. And it's all happening. Uh, and I would have pictured that this this would have been that kind of scene, that kind of carnival atmosphere that Jesus takes his disciples. Now, think about this, because this is now going against a lot of their preconceived notions. These are not Jews. These are sinners. These are people who are involved in the current climate of things that, you know, some churches won't even mention. And they can't believe that Jesus says it's upon this rock. It's not just the revelation. There's three things there going on. Peter is part of it. Uh, he's going to be part of the foundation of the church. It takes men to do that. There's That's no doubt uh, and part of the plan of God. Uh, but God, the revelation of who He is, uh, a man willing to do it, Peter, upon uh, this rock, you're going to be part of this. You're going to be a stone in the end. It's going to be these people. It's going to be sinners. It's going to be this, uh, uh, not uh, necessarily the cleanest uh, people. Imagine this look to the church, the disciples, like, what, what? This? These? Are who you'll build your church on? Sinners? Yet Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus focused on wanting to reach sinners. Aren't you glad? How many are ex-sinners? Right? 
Aren't you glad, Jesus? Now, we don't need all the details and and all of that, uh, but this was going to upset the norm. This wasn't the clean religious synagogue type. This This was society. This was the unchurched. This was the people who had no understanding of what church was all about. And he says, these are the people that I want to reach. Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, Jesus heard it and he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now Jesus is looking for sinners. We're going to have a lot of sinners in here. It's okay. We're kind of excited about it. Some churches, they'd be, they'd be nervous to death. You're going to have all them sinners? In? Oh, they'd invite them in and they'd, they wouldn't talk about sin. Oh, you can live any way you want. You're still smoking marijuana. You know, you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend or both or whatever. Yeah, no big deal. But in that, Jesus puts out a warning. And the warning is the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail. Now, think about the disciples. They hear this. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And, by the way, the gates of hell will not prevail. And we love singing that song, right? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the army of the Lord. We love that. But what is he talking about? Well, first of all, gates of Hades. Gates refer to the place where decisions or government was made. It was the place where strategy. It would be like saying, and the city hall of hell shall not prevail. That would be the understanding of what we could put our minds around as far as when they're talking about the gates. It's not just the in and out, the expressway, the toll booth. This is where commerce would have. This is where decisions for the government, strategies, military, you could control who comes in, who goes out. You know, borders used to mean something. But anyway, that, you know, they would have these gates there and they would absolutely be able to shut in, take out they would make the strategy of that. Hades, the word Hades or hell, Hades in most translations, just is the place where the departed souls went. Hades or Hades was the Greek god of the lower regions, the underworld. That the gates of hell, the gates of Hades would not refer, this is referring to Satan and his strategies. Second Corinthians 2.11, and lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. One commentator wrote, said the devil, Satan denotes an adversary, an accuser, and the enemy. It is usually the proper name which is given to the devil, the great adversary of God and of men. Paul writes in second uh, I'm sorry, first Thessalonians chapter two, verse eighteen, time and again I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Satan worked against Satan works against you and I. 
There is a real strategy. We could talk about witchcraft. We could talk about just attacks uh, that come. But the devil makes strategies. And attacks come in a very personal way. These are not just, you know, there's the mortar attacks that you can have that just are kind of there. Uh, mortars are simply uh, uh, basically a small cannon. They would just launch a bomb and see where it goes and see what it does. And maybe it blows up in the field and maybe it hits somebody. But it's kind of this random thing. But what this is actually talking about, strategies, uh, is personalized. And there have been some serious attacks going on around here. It's that duck thing. Hey, listen, you've got a pastor that has tremendous insight into the obvious, especially when it slaps him in his face. I'll tell you that right now. Got it. <laughs> right? That is just the reality of it. Listen to Isaiah chapter 54, verses 15 through 17. For indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Capital M, this is to God speaking. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sakes. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows in the coals and in the fire and who brings forth the instrument of work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me says the Lord. This tells us a couple of things. One is that they do take counsel, the gates of hell, the counsel, the strategies. And he says, no weapon formed against you. This is actually the one like uh, the bullet that would have your name on it. This is not like Alec Baldwin in a, you know, some tragic accident or however you want to look at that, but you know, that you go, oh, what were real gun, were real bullets doing in a prop gun? This shouldn't have never had that. No, this is someone targeting you. This is a sniper, an assassin who is looking for you. And God promises that those weapons will not prosper. We will prevail and have victory, but there have been some snipes lately. I mean, seizures in the parking lot? Come on. Personal attacks that keep you up at that's someone else coming for the haunted house, I bet. Personal attacks, you can answer it. Just answer it so it stops ringing so I don't have to listen to it. But the promise is that they will not prevail over you, that God will give us victory. I'm going to build my church. Gates of hell, it's not going to prevail. That doesn't mean he's not going to try. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, there, there's some crazy things like, you know, in Belarus uh, and in Russia and these kind of companies, they, countries, they'll run an opposition candidate. I mean, they have less than a snowball's chance in Hades to win. Less than. It's rigged going into it, but they'll put them out there and they'll let it happen. It's like, you never have a chance. They'll try anyway. The devil will try anyway. Some of you need to realize and recognize, and most of you have, and I've heard it over and over. We're doing a haunted house. We've planted a church. We're getting a new building. This is hell. But some of the weaponized attacks against you, that doesn't mean they don't hurt. Listen to what Paul says. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, yet not destroyed. The Message Bible says of this, As it is, there is not much of a chance of that. For you yourselves know that we were not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we always know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God has not left our side. We have been thrown down, but we have not been broken. God sees that, and some of you have gone through things, real things, real torments, real keep-you-up-at-night kind of stuff. And the thing is, as the pastor of the church, and I will not, you know, some of you have talked to me and I know things, but listen to me, you are not alone in that right now. It is raging right now. Like, what? What? You know, I'm the pastor who feels it call, and it's like, oh my gosh, not another assault. In this, Jesus says, though, I'm going to give you the keys. I just, before the, while I'm over there, you'll see me sometimes play with my pad. One of the things I just did was Google the word keys for books. 6,000 books came up on Amazon. The keys to financial success, the keys to the kingdom, the keys to, you know, making your relationship grow, the keys to this, the keys to that, the keys to that. There's 6,000 books out there of the keys to this and the keys to that. Keys are an obvious thing. They open and unlock things. They show ownership. When we bought our house in Prescott Valley, the girl who sold it to us, the woman who sold it to us, Stephanie Olson, it was her first sale. And so she was so excited. She wanted to get a picture of her giving us the key. Right? This And she was going to use this in my first sale, and here it is, and now she's gone on. She's a... A uh, pretty successful real estate agent. This is Mark Olson's daughter. And so giving the key. And so it was like, there it is, ownership. This is this is authority. I have the keys. You know, our neighbor in Ireland, uh, he had two young boys. We lived in 12 townhouses. There were 12 townhouses right there, six on one side, six on in an L shape. And one of our neighbors there, he'd always be looking for his keys because his little boy would take him out to his little tyke's car and stick him in there. And he'd have, you know, keys were power. Right? Keys unlock things. Keys own things. Keys do that. Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write those things, Revelation 3, 7. He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. He says, okay, I'm going to build my church. It's going to involve sinners. When you're looking for this, you can mark it down. Hell is going to attack. But here's the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This terminology is used one other time 
in Matthew 18, and Jesus says, Assuredly, I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two or three are gathered, uh, agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. So what's the answer? Prayer. You know, I noted last year just something that struck me afterwards. It was like, you know what? Haunted house is very busy. We'll show up. People will be doing makeup. There'll be food. There'll be actors. There'll be smoke. There'll be security. There'll be this. But we are going to have a prayer meeting. Because without that, we're fighting in the flesh. Not only that, we're going to pray tonight because I'm getting tired of these attacks. And I know, listen, we stepped out and building and all of this. And, you know, it's like, you know, the, the weak hearted would say, well, then don't do that. The, but the reality is I say, you know what? We're going to see those undone. We're going to see victory in great ways. Those of you who've had attacks, it's going to be reversed. You're going to see tremendous blessings. But prayer is the key. Jesus says you've got to pray. That's the, what you, how you speak, how you come together and pray. It's very critical. Very critical for the victory. Note he notes here a prayer meeting. I loved someone sent me a meme during the uh, lockdown of this verse where two or three, but less than ten are gathered in my name. (laughs) But there's something that when we pray, thank God when you pray in your car. Thank God for the 30-second prayer before practice or before this or before that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about there. We need to do those things. This is why we have a prayer before, prayer meeting before the service and a prayer during the service. They're both valuable. I've seen God heal just from the prayer before service. I've seen people totally delivered and touched. But there's something about gathering together. And so the challenge that I told you about is that in all the midst of all the insanities for the next three days and beyond, prayer. Because we're going to beat the devil's butt. There are people in here, you have said, God, why did I go through this? It's the devil. I don't know if it's witchcraft or in itself. You know, does it matter? Does it really matter? But you're going to see reversals. What you've kept you awake, what's caused you to cry when no one was around, You're going to see reversals. 
We're going to see victory. This new building is not just going to be a building. And I'm not into the mega church and the building and, you know, build it and they'll come and all that. This is a spiritual leap forward for this congregation. God is preparing to save unsaved loved ones that you've prayed for for a long time. There's some backsliders coming back. I'm not just saying this. I know this is what God is about to do. The keys of the kingdom. We've seen God building His church. We've seen sinners. They're glorious. I mean, we've seen, they're, you, you tell it's, it's happening. People walking in the parking lot right now, coming in last, like, you know, and you, just other things, backsliders popping in. You know, what am I going to do? This kind of, it's like it's, it's stirring. Something way beyond. Way, way beyond. It's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly. I close with the back part of my testimony that was very unique. You heard I shared some of my story, personal story, but what I didn't share with you was church. The church in Cape Cod at that time had gone to about 60 people. There were some religious people there. They had a particular evangelist come. This man was pretty radical. His name was Larry Reed. He's since passed on, been with the Lord. He was nuts. There's There's no kind way to say it. The guy was crazy. In a good way, but he was crazy. He was street preaching and he got arrested. That upset some of the people in the church and they left. The case was dismissed. It was like, you know, just they hadn't seen street preachers in Cape Cod before. They didn't know what to do with him, so they just arrested him. And so like, so it got dismissed. Life goes on. People left the church. But when that happened, they made that stand. All of a sudden, young people started getting saved. Between the ages of 16 and 22, it was almost one every week for months. I mean, months, and I was one of them. I didn't have anything to do with it. I was part of it. Mark, Pauline, Tom Connors, Christine, his sister, some of her family, myself, just on and on it goes. Plus, a whole bunch of families came into the church because it's great to have youth, but they have no money. It's just the reality of it. Youth have zeal, but they don't get any money. Families came in with money. The church just exploded. Went on to have a revival that uh, that was the summer of 1984, January 1985. They had a revival. They carried it over for two weeks. People were getting saved every night. I remember asking for the count. Super Bowl Sunday night, 210 people in the service. Remember, June they had fallen to 45. By January, 210, Super Bowl Sunday night, God was doing something very, very unique. God's about to do something like that here. The gates of hell shall not prevail. But we're going to pray, because that's the key that's going to unlock what God is going to do. Let's bow our heads for just a moment.
you're here this evening, you're not right with God, you're not saved. God is drawing and calling you. He wants to touch your life. You want to experience the goodness of God. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Say, you know what, that's me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. Or maybe you're backslidden away from God. You're not right with God. Anyone at all, very quickly. Slip up your hand. I want to do something very unique. I want every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. You are or have been or felt the gates of hell come against you. You felt it. It's real. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I had a flat tire or, you know, I had a bad day, I burnt the brownies. I'm talking about things that brought you to tears, things that brought you to frustration, that kept you awake at night, that are absolutely marked in your life, that they've, they, they've just been on you. I want you to know, first of all, you're not alone. This has been something that I, it's just been like, wow, you know, there's always something. The old expression, if it's not one thing, it's six. But this has been like 600, and it's like, this is, this is going to stop. This has got to stop. But I want to ask tonight, very honest, we're, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. This is not a find out what's your... What's your attack? Mine's been... It's not like that. Some of these have been deeply personal and people don't want to share them. Okay? But I want you to make an acknowledgement and I want to pray. And so if that's you, that's what you've been under the last few weeks, month, whatever, month and a half, two months, whatever it might have been, if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Yep, 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 yep. Lots of hands going up. I mean, lots of hands going up. What I want you to do, when I'm going to ask people what they are, I just want you to come and stand in the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to come and stand in the front. The first thing I want you to see is that, like I said, you're not alone. And I'm not making this up. This is serious stuff here. Yeah, not flat tires and, you know, burnt brownies. This is, this is life crying stuff. This is frustration. This is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that stuff. It's going to stop. There's reversals coming. Do you believe that? Yeah. That including you, we're not going to sing a song. So if that includes you, you can go stand in the front too. If it doesn't, you don't have to. But the reason we're not going to sing a song is I want to get out, I want to get you out of here, of course. It's going to be a lot of late nights, and why make this one any later than it has to? But the other is I want to see this broken. I really do. As a pastor, it bothers me. It bothers me when people come under assaults, and you know, and I'm helpless. I can pray for you, but I mean, if I could fix it, I would have fixed it. Believe me. I could fix some of your problems. I would have easily done it, but I couldn't. I can't. But it's going to change. I want you to say these words out loud. Father in heaven, I thank you that I am your child. 
And I acknowledge that I have been under assault from the gates of hell. And right now, I am binding the strategies of hell against my life. I'm speaking a miracle into my life and into my situation. I am loosing your blessing, your favor in my life. It is this right that I have as your child. And I'm claiming that right now. Father, give us blessing and build your church that I may be part of the influence of what you're going to do in the very near future. And I thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Let's begin to worship Him. Father, right now, God. Say, loose them. Blessing right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Right now. God, touch them, God. Say, life, blessing, favor right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank God.